Jeremiah chapter number 10. When you find that, if you'd stand with me in respect to reading the Word of God. I'm just going to read a couple of verses and we'll get on into the message tonight. Jeremiah chapter number 10. Look down, if you would, with me to verse number 23. Jeremiah 10, verse number 23. The Bible says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Um, we're, we're going to look at these two verses tonight with this question in mind. Are you looking for some help? Because we got a God that'll give us some if, uh, if we ask Him to. Let's pray and we'll get started. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, one last time, we just ask for Your blessing upon the reading and preaching of Your Word that You would do what only You can do. Father, we need Your help, no doubt. Um, Lord, to just have clarity of thought and speech and unction, Lord, to preach the way that you'd have it done. Thank you for the beautiful music tonight, Lord. We pray that it was a sweet smell and savor to you and that you'll shine down on the rest of this service. Please, we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please, please do be seated. These two verses that we read tonight are from the closing portion of Jeremiah's message as he stood in the temple gate. And the full message really covers from chapter 7 all the way through chapter 10. I just didn't figure y'all would want to go through the whole thing tonight. We know that Jeremiah prophesied before and during the captivity, the exile of Judah. We've talked a little bit about that even this morning. He was a prophet of God that was sent to warn people of the coming captivity. And he did that. And the message at the temple gate was just a plain cry to God's people to repent, to turn back to God, turn back to the Lord. In Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 1, the Bible says, The word that came to Jeremiah was from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord thus, saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. So Jeremiah preached, I mean, and he preached with the power of God, and he preached the message of God, and he preached repent. What you need to do is repent. If you'll just repent, just turn back to God, everything's going to work out okay. And this message that was proclaimed in the gate of the Lord's house was a message truly of a grief-stricken, broken-hearted man of God, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. No, 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 he, he didn't, no, no, he wasn't vindictive. He wasn't some mean-spirited preacher who's up there, bless God, God's going to get you if you don't turn back. No, now he preached a strong message, but it was a message that God gave him, but he was broken-hearted for his people. He wanted the people to turn back to God. He wanted the people to be blessed by God. He wanted his nation to be blessed by God. And he was broken-hearted about the things that had happened. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1 says, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. 
So this message, it contained a personal appeal or a prayer for God's help in this very situation. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 24, he said this, we read it, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Uh, And so he was crying out to God. Now we need to consider that this evening. Excuse me. I believe God can speak clearly through the Bible, don't you? Truly. And I believe he can speak very clearly through this text tonight here in Jeremiah chapter 10. He can speak to us that may need to correct some things. Is there anybody in here that's got perfection worked out yet? Most of us have something in our life that needs to be worked on. No, if we were just honest with ourselves and God, and certainly we're not going to have any testimony service about that, but, but we have things in our life that need to be worked on. And here's the cry that Jeremiah put out. Oh Lord, correct me. That's pretty plain, isn't it? This is a cry of a man of God. This isn't a cry from an unsaved person. No, 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 no. Only a Christian can say, oh Lord, correct me. A lost person cannot make that plea. The cry of an unsaved needs to be, oh Lord, save me. But this is a cry from a man of God. You know, it, it's, it's, it, with, with people, it's always salvation before correction. God saves us, then he cleans us up. I'm thankful that he, he does that. An unsaved person is blind, spiritually blind. They cannot see that the life they're living is, is wrong. All of us can think of some time, probably in our life, some different things that we wish that we would not have done when we were lost, when we were without God, things that we would not do today because of the change that God has made in our lives. We can think about those things. And God is the heavenly father of those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. He is the father of those that are saved, not the father of the lost. And a father corrects his own children, correct? Oh yeah, a father corrects his own children, not the children of others. And God wants to help us. He wants to correct us. He wants us to be everything that he would have us to be. He wants us to be uh, humble and contrite and broken about the things in our life that aren't what they need to be. But this is also the cry, as we think about that, the cry of a man of God, this is a cry of a mature Christian, of a mature Christian. This isn't isn't some babe in Christ. No, 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 no. Babies don't cry out for correction. No, no, babies don't want correction. Babies want what they want when they want it. They're selfish. They're self-centered. I mean, just give them whatever they desire and everything's going to be just fine. I'm telling you, this is a cry from a man who wants God's blessing upon his life, no matter the price. Lord, I just want your blessing, whatever it takes, whatever I need to do. I just want your blessing. You won't hear somebody pray a prayer like that that's only thinking about themselves. This is someone that wants to be closer to God. So here's the bottom line of of that. This is a personal cry. He knows he needs help. He knows he's not where he needs to be. Preacher, this is Jeremiah. Right. No, no, no. We need to think that way. This is Jeremiah the prophet. This is the one that God had chosen to go out and preach the message, repent. Get right with God. 
And all of a sudden, he's realizing, oh, Lord, correct me. I need some help here. I need you to do some work in my life. And and I believe that Jeremiah had the people of Israel on his mind. Yet this man of God made it a personal prayer. Yes, he wanted. No, no, Jeremiah, come on, the weeping prophet. Yes, he wanted his people to be right with God. Yes, he wanted his nation to turn back to God. Yes, he wanted them to... uh, uh, um, to repent so that they would not have to go into this captivity. Yes, 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 yes. But but he made this a personal prayer. He realized his own need for correction. Boy, it helps us, doesn't it, when we realize that we're not everything we need to be. It helps us, doesn't it? No, no, when we're willing to confess to ourselves and to God, Lord, I know I'm not where I need to be, and whatever needs to happen in my life, I, would, I want you to do that. Lord, have you ever got down and just cried out, Lord, help me! Help me! I know I'm not where I need to be. I, I, I just want to be everything you'd have me to be, but I'm not getting there. I need some help. I need you to do something that only you can do. Come on, surely I'm not the only one that's ever prayed like that. God, I I need you to do something. I need you to help me in this area or that area. And Lord, I've struggled with this and and I've struggled with that. And I need for you to do something in my life. He, he, He knew that he wasn't where he needed to be in his walk with God, even though he was being used by God, that there were still things hindering him from being everything that God would have him to be. Look, there might be someone in the congregation, even this evening, that's crying out the same prayer in their heart. Lord, correct me. I need your help. I have a desire for what you would have me to be, but I'm failing. I'm not there. I try and I fail and I try and I fail. And please, Lord, help me to get to that place I need to be or help me to get back to you and help me, Lord. Oh, God, help me. Correct me. Can I just say that's not a bad thing? That's a very good thing. Look, I I would hate to think that I was a member of a church where everybody thought they were perfect. One of the things that I tell folks when I'm inviting them to Riverside Baptist Church is, hey, just a bunch of normal people trying to get closer to God. Just a bunch of normal folk that are trying to live their life for God. Nobody puts on any airs. Nobody's trying to be anybody or anything. Nobody acts like they're holier than now. We just know that we're sinners saved by grace and we need God's help. We want to be everything God would have us to be. We strive to be what God would have us to be. But, you know, nobody's really arrived there. No, it's a very good thing. It's a good thing. A heart that's yearning for God is wonderful. A heart that wants to be closer to God is a wonderful thing. And there are steps to get there. But it starts here. Truly. No, no. Oh, God, correct me. Whatever it takes. Taking the steps to get to where we need to be is needful. It's needful. There has to be the admittance that, hey, we need help. And there needs to be the steps taken to get to that place. But it will take humbling ourselves to get there. Because there was, no, 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 there was confession in this. The confession was 
practically, well, it was just this. Lord, correct me. There's something wrong. No, no, he wouldn't have cried out for correction if there wasn't something wrong. There's confession here. And we have to be willing to confess. We have to be willing to be honest with ourselves and honest with God. Lord, I need something from you that only you can do. And I need to be corrected because I know there's places in my life, there's things in my life that just should not be. Jeremiah had been pointing out the sins and the faults of the people throughout the message in the, in the temple gate. In chapter 7 all the way through 10, man, he's pointing out, no, no, no. He had preached against their backsliding. He had preached against their idol worship. He, he had brought to their attention their indifference toward God. He had called them a bunch of wicked sinners. He tried to convince them about their own spiritual blindness. He had even brought them through preaching to, to the point of confessing their wickedness and their sinfulness. Look, it might be that someone in here needs to cry out to our God, oh Lord, correct me. I mean, you may not be in some vile, wicked sin, but you're not near where you need to be with God. Come on, dear God, correct me. Correct my tongue. Correct my thoughts. Correct my habits. Correct my anger. Correct my gossip. Correct my critical spirit. Correct my negative attitude. Correct my self-sufficiency. Lord, I'm trying to do it on my own and it's not working out so well. Lord, I'm trying to do it in my own strength and it's just not going anywhere. I need some help. Look, nothing stunts the spiritual growth like self-sufficiency. I can do this on my own. You can't do it on your own. I said you can't be everything God wants you to be on your own. But you can't be what God wants you to be until you're honest with yourself and honest with God too. I mean, we have to be forthright. I'm saying that we're headed for big trouble when we think that we can handle our sinfulness on our own. We cannot handle our sinfulness on our own. It doesn't happen. Over in John chapter 15, verse number 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. And that's spiritual. We can do nothing spiritually. We can go through the motions, can't we? We can be at church when the doors are open, can't we? We can carry our Bible with us. We can shine our shoes. We can dress up. We, we can No, no, we can learn all the jargon. Hello, brother. Hello, sister. How are you? How are things going? Everything going okay? Everything fine? We can go through all of that. But none of that means anything if our heart is not right with God. If there are things in our life that aren't what they need to be. I'm telling you, without Him, we can do nothing spiritually. And the sooner we realize that the word nothing in verse number 5 means nothing, the better off we'll be. It means nothing. We can't do anything without Him spiritually. Without Him, we can do nothing spiritually. There may be someone in our congregation today that needs to cry out to, the, to God, Oh Lord, correct me. Correct me. You know, a characteristic of true believers is that of confession. I mean, you think about King David's example. He believed God. Or, you know, you're talking about King David. Right. I'm talking about the sinner, King David. A man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart. But he had problems, didn't he? Come on, he was sinful, wasn't he? 
Yes, absolutely so. When you think about his example in Psalm chapter 4 and verse 1, he said this, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Psalm 6, 2, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. Psalm 51, 1, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He cried out to God, O Lord, correct me, help me, guide me, direct me, be there for me. Come on, we talk about Nehemiah and Elijah and Moses and a lot of others. They saw their need to cry out. They saw their need to confess their sins. And I'm telling you, friend, no, 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 I'm telling you, somebody that truly knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I, I mean, one of the things that they, are going to be, that they are going to be aware of is the sin in their life. Because once someone's saved by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit lives there, well, he convicts of sin, doesn't he? And so part of our life is confessing our sins. George Mueller, what a great man of faith, he cried out one time, Oh, wretched man that I am. George Mueller. George Whitfield cried out, I believe it is difficult to go through the fiery trial of popularity and applause untainted when I am willing to be told of my, uh, I'm sorry, when I am unwilling to be told of my faults correspond with me no more. That's a pretty good sign of maturity, isn't it? When I won't even confess anymore that I have problems, probably best not to even associate with me. God deals with us. And the great thing about confession is it brings forgiveness. And I don't know about you, but I need forgiveness on a pretty regular basis. Several times a day, for the most part. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when we refuse to confess our sins, we bear the load of that sin in our own body, in our own soul. So we have to come to God with a heart of confession. And our prayer should be, Lord, I have sinned. Just give me whatever punishment you feel is right. Really, our, 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 our prayer should be, I deserve the very worst punishment. <clears throat> we, we deserve so much worse than we get. And I'm telling you, if we're really wanting to get our heart right with God, come on, if we're really wanting to get our heart, our life right with God, and we do believe that God is a loving, caring, wonderful, gracious, merciful, heavenly Father that loves us more than we understand, why would not we want to put our life into His hands with Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it takes? Give me what I deserve. In judgment, not in anger. We're going to get that in just a minute. That's heartfelt confession. When we act like we don't have any problems, when we act like, oh, please get this, when we act like our problems are because of everybody else, we're in bad shape. We're in bad shape. We've fallen into a rut we shouldn't be in. Our problems aren't because of everyone else. Our problems are because of us. We make the decisions. We make the choices. We think what we think. We look at what we look at. We listen to what we listen to. We go where we want to go. Somebody say amen. It's true. 
Our problems are with us. When we get to that place where, Lord, I've sinned and just, 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 just correct me. That, that's a heart of repentance. That's a heart of sorrow. And, and it brings forgiveness. When our heart is in full agreement on this matter of correction, then God cleanses us, cleanses us with the blood of Christ. He helps us. Jeremiah 10, 24, again, it says, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Have you ever had one of your children come to you and say, um, I, 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 I need to talk to you, but don't get mad. <laughs> or, or, or something like, promise me you'll not get mad before I tell you this. That is somewhat what Jeremiah was saying concerning the Lord's correction and judgment, not in anger. I mean, you can actually hear Jeremiah's heart in the cry. Oh Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger. God's anger consumes. His anger consumes. It says, lest thou bring me to nothing. God always judges in righteous anger, doesn't He? Anytime God is angry, it's righteous anger. Truly. But when his anger is um, when he gets to that place of real anger, well, he's been known to open up the earth and swallow up people. He's been known to send fire down from heaven. And consume people? Yeah. Jeremiah realized that if God corrected in anger, that it would bring, it, that it would bring destruction to the people. Bring, bring destruction to himself. And, and so he cried out, not in anger. And, and here's the good thing. Because, because he said, but with judgment. Again, judgment brings forgiveness. Had God brought correction and anger, destruction would have been a result. But God would correct Jeremiah in judgment. And God judges righteously and that brings forgiveness. Forgiveness. You may need to cry out to God today. Oh Lord, correct me in judgment. For some reason, for some reason, we seem to be afraid that God's going to give us something that we don't deserve. That, that God's going to do something that, that we don't want Him to do. But that's not our God. That's not the way God operates. 
Oh God, correct me. I've been waiting for you to say that. That's not our God. That's not the way He is. He's a loving, caring, heavenly Father. And He wants to correct us. I'll say it again. He wants to correct us. I'll say it again. He wants to correct us. If we'll put ourselves into His hand, He wants to correct us. He wants to help us. He, 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 he so badly wants us to live the life that He has for us. And when we finally just, just wholly put ourselves into His care, into His hand, Lord, whatever you have to do to get me to the place that you have for my life, God knows how to get us there. We all deserve a lot worse than what we've got. But God's full of grace and mercy and love and He desires us to be close to Him. So God will correct us. Well, how does He correct us? Well, first, by His Word. By this old Bible that we have sitting before us. Most people sitting in here, they, they, most of the people sitting here tonight know what the Word of God says about sin. The sin that's in your life. We know. He, he gave us His Word that we might take heed and allow it to correct us, to convict us, and to bring us to our knees seeking direction from Him. Lord, I know, I know that I'm not where I need to be, and I need help. I need guidance. I need you to show me. Preacher, I'm telling you, I need some help in my life. God will give you help. Where am I supposed to find it? In your Bible. Well, you know, but I really don't, you know, I don't, I don't like to read. Well, then get the Bible on CD. No, really, and sit there and listen to it. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. No, 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 no. You'll get real direction from the Word of God. God corrects us with His Word. He guides us with His Word. He wants us to take heed to His Word that we might repent of those things in our life that should not be there and live a life of godly joy, live a life of godly fulfillment. And, and boy, this book, it points out, it points out, it can sure point out our sins, can it? It, it sure points out the uh, negative things in our life, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it may be, maybe you have a lack of love for God in your life, or maybe you have a lack of concern for the things of God, or it could be that you just have a fruitless Christianity, that your Christianity is just fruitless. Oh, you're a believer, you, you know that you've trusted Christ as your Savior, but Christ is not showing up on you. I'll say it again, Christ is not showing up on you. What do you mean, preacher? Well, you're in no danger of being a called a Christian by those you're around the most. Christ isn't showing up on you, but Christ should show up on us. There should be something different about us. And the Word of God, it, it can do that. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God was given to us for that. Preacher, I really need some help from God. Get in your Bible. 
get on your knees, cry out to God, and get in your Bible. He corrects us with his word, but he also corrects us by chastening at times, doesn't he? The Lord chastens those that belong to him. It's, it's a mark of, of that, he, that we do belong to him. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if, you with, but if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are, and the Bible uses a colorful word that is now considered a curse word, that means that you're not a son. Preacher, how do you know that you belong to God? Well, one of the ways I know I belong to God is His chastening hand has been on me a lot of different times. In the 36 years I've been saved. If you're a believer, there's going to be some chastening along the way. It will happen. It will happen. God's going to work to keep you heading in the right direction. And chastening is not always with a rod. That's not our God. It's, it's not always with a baseball bat. It, it, he's, no, no, He's not looking just to slap us upside the head. Sometimes, sometimes chastening is just that still small voice that's trying to get you back on the straight and narrow path that leads to life. You've left the path, son. Let me help you get back. Be honest with God. Be honest with others. Be honest with yourself. No, no, no. And and God says, just let me get you back on that path. You've left the path. Don't go left. Don't go right. Stay on that straight and narrow. But no matter how He corrects, get this, no matter how He corrects, He always corrects in love. Our God always, always, always corrects in love. You can believe me this evening when I say that God will always correct us in love. Again, He's not some vindictive old man up there that's just waiting to thump you on the back of the head. No, 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 no. He's a loving, caring, heavenly Father. And if He corrects you, He corrects you in love. Wanting you to be where He would have you to be. He always, always corrects in love. Charles Spurgeon said, The Lord can do no unloving thing toward one of His children. I believe that. I believe that. With, oh no, with all my heart. The Lord can do no unloving thing toward one of His children. Whatever He does, whatever He has to do to turn us around and get us back, get us to where He would have us to be. Always done in love. Yeah. That's the confidence that we all need. I said we all need that. We need that confidence that God loves us even when we mess up. He, he's always there. And he's, he's always waiting. He's always wanting us to come to Him. If you'll just come to me, I've got the answers. If you'll just come to me, I'll help you. If you'll just come to me, I can lift you up. If you'll just come to me.
I'm, 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 I'm telling you something most of you probably already know, but I, 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 it, it seems like I dislike, I dislike social media more and more and more and more and more. And, and I'm thankful that, I'm thankful that we have Google, that we can look up stuff. But Google is not the answer to our problems. And social media and putting all your uh, stuff out there on social media for everybody to give you, uh, for everybody to give you advice, uh, that's not where it's at. It's not where it's at. We, we have a loving, caring, heavenly Father that we can... Um, <laughs> that 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 uh, we can talk to wirelessly. He's there for us, and he wants to help us. He wants to guide us. He wants to direct us. But too often, we're looking for answers every place but from him. God doesn't chasten for His pleasure. God chastens for our profit. God chastens. He tries to get our attention at times because He knows we need His help. He knows we need His help. Or two boys talking one day, and one of them said to the other, you have to be good or your, your dad's not going to love you. And when that dad heard that, he, 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 he called the child to himself, that one boy to himself, and he said, he said, what that guy just said to you, what that boy just said to you, that's not true. That, that's not true at all. And his son said, but, 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 but you're not going to love me if we're not good, are you? I mean, you're not going to love me. And the father very wisely said, yes, I'm always going to love you. Uh, and I'm going to love you with the love that makes me glad. And, and when you are bad, I'm going to love you with the love that hurts me. But I'm always going to love you. And it's the same way with the Heavenly Father. When He corrects us, it's always with love. I mean, it's always done tenderly. I, I believe that when God has to strongly chasten us, when, when those times come, it's done with a tear in His eye. You know, children don't always know when they have done wrong. They have to be taught right from wrong. And sometimes it just involves correction from the Father. <clears throat> you know, I struggle with uh, things in my Christian life just like many of you do. Someone told me, I, I've, I've, I've been known to say that several times. Someone told me that it wasn't good for me as a pastor to tell the congregation that. 
you make yourself too vulnerable, vulnerable about it. You just, you, we need a better example than that. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm all, I am what I am. And that's all that I am. That's from one of my heroes back when I was a kid. I am that I am, and that's all. Anyway. Some of the young people are going, who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? I, I figured that if, I figure if the, if the Apostle Paul talked about his struggles, that probably nobody should act like they don't have any. And I'm not saying I'm in some deep sin or anything like that. Heavens to Betsy. Thank God that he watches over. But I have struggles. I have struggles just like you have struggles. And sometimes I get overwhelmed. Sometimes I get overwhelmed by my failures. And and I know I need help that only my Heavenly Father can can give. And, And therefore I cry out to the Lord, Lord, correct me. Help me. Lord, help me be everything that you would have me to be for you and for others. Because I want to be everything that I need to be for the church. I want to be that. I do. I'm not acting like I'm your Savior. I'm not. You only have one Savior. I know that. But as the under-shepherd, I want to be able to direct you in your life. To help you make decisions. To be able to pray for you like I should. Encourage you like I should. Rebuke and reprove you like I should. Because that is part of my responsibility. But I can't do it without God's help. And you can't live your Christian life without God's help. For whatever the price may be, I want God's will to be done in my life. I, I, I want God's will to be done in my life. I was talking to someone yesterday, and, and I said, I just want to be found faithful to the very end. When, when that last shovel full of dirt is padded on my face, I want to know that I've been faithful to the end. And I know I can't do that without God. And I can guarantee you, whatever that might cost you or me, it's well worth the price. Whatever it might cost us. If we're going to fulfill God's will for Riverside Baptist Church, if we are continue, if we are going to continue to be a real lighthouse here in St. Joseph, America, and across the world with our missions giving, we need to be right with God. If you teach a Sunday school class, my oh my. You need to be as right with God as you can be. If you work on a bus route, even if you're you're the one that just runs to the doors, you need to be as right with God as you need, as you can be. 
That's right. If you stand up in this choir loft week after week, you need to be as right with God as you can be. You're, if you lead the choir, you need to be as right with God as you need to be. If you lead singing in this church, you need to be as right with God as you can be. If you work on the security team, you need to be as right with God as you can be. If you are going to be a faithful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to be as right with God as you need to be. If you are going to successfully, please listen to me, I'm writing it down. If you are going to successfully raise your children to love God with all of their heart, you need to be as right with God as you can be. And there's no reason that you can't be. There's no reason that you can't be. Oh Lord, correct me. Whatever it takes. Whatever I need to do. Help me, Lord. What about you? Are, are, are you in need of that which only the Lord can do? Psalm 121 verse 2 says, My help cometh from the Lord, which made the heaven and earth. I need help, preacher. I'll give all the help I can humanly possible to anybody that needs it. I will, I'm more than willing. But I'm telling you, the help that we really need comes from above. And it's available. To all of us. If we'll admit. That we need it. Oh Lord. Correct me. Whatever it takes. To get me to that place I need. To be. Let's stand. Would you stand with me? Let's all stand. Let's stand. Heavenly Father we thank you. That you are a loving, gracious, wonderful, merciful, long-suffering, forgiving, heavenly Father. And that you care about us as your children. You care more than we understand. You love us. And you want us to be close to you. And you want us to be in right standing with you. You, you want us to be willing to cry out and confess. You want us, Lord, to be as close to you as we can be. Father, I don't know how you may have spoken to hearts tonight and what the needs are in this congregation at this time. Our prayer is, is that we open this invitation that folks would just come. Just cry out to you, whatever their need is. Because I know you're up there and you're ready to answer. You're ready to help, to strengthen. You're ready to forgive and guide. Father, You're there for us. I pray, dear God, that Your will would be done around these altars tonight. Lord, help us. Please. We pray that You do things in our heart for which only You can give credit. We'll thank You for what's accomplished for we ask it all 
in the perfect name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many have come to the altar. You need to come. Why don't you come even now? Whatever God would have you to do. Whatever the need is in your life. God's there for you. God's here to help you. God's here to give victory. You just yield to Him. Just let God have His way. Whatever it is God wants you to do.